Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. They call you the grill master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment. To get amazing offers during the Mercedes-Benz summer event, like the 2019 C-Class sedan and GLC SUV. The perfect recipes of driving performance. Plus, you can enjoy six months of Sirius XM All Access included. The Mercedes-Benz Summer Event. Now serving limited time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz. The best or nothing. You are listening to Rotoviz Radio, a fantasy football podcast with your host, Matthew Friedman. Hey everyone, I'm Matt Friedman, Matt at the Oracle of the Action Network and Rotoviz. Welcome to a special edition of Rotoviz Radio. Today we are talking about the Dallas Cowboys. In between the NFL Combine and the draft, I am interviewing beat reporters for every franchise, 32 teams, 32 beat writers, and 32 episodes. We are covering team needs, free agency, draft rumors, basically everything between now and day one of the draft. For this episode, I am joined by Drew Davison of the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, where he is a beat writer for the Dallas Cowboys. In this episode, he talks with us about the future of Des Bryant in Dallas, whether the Cowboys could draft Jason Witten's replacement, and what the team needs are for the defensive side of the ball. Before we get to the guest, I'd like to remind you that you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL pass through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all the premium NFL content on the site, and it supports the pod. All right, let's get to the guest. Please welcome to the show Drew Davison of the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. You can follow him on Twitter at Drew Davison, where he provides up-to-the-minute news on anything and everything to do with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Drew, thanks for taking the time to talk with us. Hey, anytime, Matt. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, a lot of fun. Uh, let's jump into it. Dak Prescott. Uh, 
fantastic rookie season. It seemed as if he took a little bit of a step back last year. Of course, some of that could have been due to uh, the absence of Ezekiel Elliott, Tyron Smith at times for uh, for part of the season, maybe even the aging of Des Bryant. Within the organization, is there a sense that the team has the right players around Dak to help him succeed? I mean, they're certainly trying to build this team around Dak Prescott. I mean, the sophomore slump did not deter them uh, from thinking he's a franchise quarterback. But, you know, they do, like you said, need to get the right mix around him. Uh, They brought in two new receivers in Allen Hurts and Deontay Thompson. Des Bryant's contract situation remains up in the air. Des Bryant, you know, very well might not be on the Cowboys at the start of 2018. But uh, certainly this team is committed to Dak Prescott. Dak friendly is kind of their catchphrase this offseason. Uh, they want to design plays where you know, maybe they can use his feet a little bit more uh, and, and really kind of take advantage of what he does best, and, and that's working in the middle of the field. So certainly uh, the Cowboys are trying to do everything, and, and that's everything from personnel to, to game planning and designing plays to suit Dak Prescott. So you mentioned the addition of a couple of wide receivers. One of them, Allen's Hearn, just a couple of seasons ago was a thousand yard, 10 touchdown guy. What, if anything, does the addition of Hearns mean for Des Bryant? Well, I think, you know, I don't think either of these signings really uh, replaces Des Bryant. I mean, these were lower market uh, signings, especially when you look at what Sammy Watkins got paid. I mean, Allen Hearn, is a guy who they like, they feel like can come in and be a be a key contributor. But uh, a guy like Terrence Williams, uh, you know, might see his playing time diminish or even his role diminish and, and things of that nature, assuming the Cowboys, you know, keep Des Bryant. But uh, certainly they like what Allen Hurts can bring to the passing game and they feel like he's an upgrade over what they have. So if the team is looking to be very Dak-friendly and moving forward, they aren't really sure what they're going to be able to get out of Des Bryant. Is there the possibility that they could look for a wide receiver in round one? Absolutely. And, and you know, and this is not a knock on Alan Hurts or Deontay Thompson or even Des Bryant, for that matter. Right now, the Cowboys do not have a true number one receiver. Des Bryant has not had a 1,000-yard season in three straight years. Uh, Cole Beasley, Terrence Williams took steps back. And, and as you said, Alan Hearns, yeah, he's been a 1,000-yard receiver. wasn't last year. Deontay Thompson isn't that guy either. So if a Calvin Ridley is there or if the Cowboys fall in love with, let's say, a Cortland Sutton or uh, uh, DJ Moore, they certainly won't be scared to pull the trigger because they do need to add more playmakers around Dak Prescott and Easy Elliott. Interesting. Uh, Jason Witten has had a long career with the Cowboys. He's probably nearing the end. Do the Cowboys feel as if they have a potential replacement already on the roster, or might they look to draft a tight end with you know maybe like a top hundred pick? Yeah, I, they certainly do not have a, the heir apparent to Jason Witten on the roster. I mean, they like uh, you know what Jeff Swain does in the blocking game, and you know he, he's got some catching abilities too, and. You know, Rico Gathers remains a project, and, and we'll see how that pans out in the long run. But, you know, they do not have that sort of guy. They are in the tight end market, you know, especially in the draft, like you said. I mean, left guard, tight end, you know, those will be targets in the second, third round. Possibly even the first round if, if the Cowboys uh, feel like a Dallas Goder could, could really 
uh, become the necessary playmaker for them. So uh, they are certainly scouting tight ends, and uh, that is a piece they need to fill. Uh, however, they do kind of have a little wiggle room because Jason Winton, uh, you know, has been kind of that steady presence, and, and certainly you anticipate him playing uh, to, to kind of the level he's been at here these last couple of years next season. You mentioned Dallas Goddard. Is he someone that the team seems to be high on relative to some of the other, you know, kind of like top tier tight ends in this class? I, I think they like him. Uh, but with that being said, I don't think it's really going to be a, a match at 19. I, I see him having either one of the, the defensive guys they're going to be targeting or possibly a wide receiver like Calvin Ridley following to him at 19, where uh, I think Goddard at that would be a little bit of a reach so uh you know unless they trade back and, and you know uh and, and you know get into the 20s i don't think goddard's gonna be their guy at 19 uh you mentioned uh the possibility of going with a defensive player in the first round let's talk a little bit about the defense there's some good pieces on the on the line with demarcus lawrence on the edge david urban in the middle uh, Tyron Crawford as a guy who can play outside but kick inside. Randy Gregory might be coming back. Uh, but the Cowboys could really use a second body in the middle, and first-rounder Taco Charlton didn't have a great rookie season. Is the team looking to address the defensive line in the draft? Yeah, I mean, the defensive line remains. You know, they, they could use help on all three levels, but defensive line, especially when you look at, you know, David Irving uh, has a chance to be a free agent next year. Malik Collins battled some injuries, and, and there's questions of whether he's better suited as a three technique or as a nose in Rod Marinelli's scheme. And, and like you said, I mean, outside of Demarcus Lawrence's 14 and a half sacks and 52 quarterback pressures, uh, the Cowboys didn't really get much pressure on the quarterback. I mean, uh, the, the second you know sack guy had seven sacks, and if you had up Malik Collins and, and Tyrone Crawford, they had the second, third most quarterback pressures. That's less than half of what the Marcus Lawrence had. So they definitely need to get more pressure on the quarterback, and whether that comes from an inside guy like uh, Maurice Hurst out of Michigan or Deron Payne or V to V, even though the Cowboys with Payne and V, they don't really value the true nose tackle uh, as much in Rod Marinelli's scheme. But, you know, they, they need all the help they can get. And if a good uh, defensive tackle's there, don't be surprised if they go that route, or if one of the elite pass rushers is there, they certainly could use more help in that department as well, opposite of DeMarcus Lawrence. And then, as you said, that would free up Tyrone Crawford to, to possibly move back inside. Yeah, all of those guys you mentioned there, uh, you know, round one type of guys. Is there the possibility that they could also look to address, or not also, but instead look to address linebacker in the first round? Because Sean Lee is great, but he's injured quite a bit. Anthony Hitchens is gone. Jalen Smith might not ever regain his pre-injury form. So the unit looks pretty thin. There are some you know, pretty intriguing linebackers in the first round conversation. Do you think they might go with one of those guys? Yeah, I mean, if you ask me Cowboys' number one need or priority, it's linebacker. I mean, with with Anthony Hitchens, Bolton, and free agency to the Kansas City Chiefs, and we look at Sean Lee and Jalen Smith's injury history, uh, the Cowboys linebacker is the clear-cut number one uh, thing they need to upgrade because they've got young secondary pieces. 
Uh, you you got to hope Taco Charlton takes a step forward, and, and they've got some defensive linemen to work with. But linebacker, uh, you know, if Roquan Smith or Edmonds is there at 19, or even if the Cowboys uh, trade up to get one of them, I mean, I think that's the biggest impact position that they can address in this draft. So uh, linebacker to me is, you know, the number one priority over, you know, we talked about the wide receiver and, and some offensive needs and, and over even D-line and secondary help. I think linebacker, uh, if, if one of those two guys falls to him uh, or if they trade up to him, I, I think those two uh, could make the biggest impact next year. Easy parking with Easy Trip, now available at Dundrum Town Centre. So you can now use your toll tags to park in our car parks. Simply register at easytrip.ie forward slash parking. Easy parking with Easy Trip. Dundrum, where more happens. Easy parking with Easy Trip, now available at Dundrum Town Centre. So you can now use your toll tags to park in our car parks. Simply register at easytrip.ie forward slash parking. Easy parking with Easy Trip. Dundrum, where more happens. You mentioned the secondary there in passing, and I, I thought it was amazing at, at points, especially near the end of the season. The Cowboys were using three rookies as their primary cornerbacks, and those guys actually did pretty well. Jordan Lewis, Chidobe Awuzi, and Xavier Woods. We've seen across the league how dominant defenses can be if they have strong cornerbacks who can match up and play man-to-man. What do the Cowboys think right now of their young cornerback trio? Uh, I mean, they're high on the, the young cornerbacks, and, and, you know, Byron Jones could move back to cornerback, and they really like him. The, the biggest question with those young guys is, you know, whether they can stay healthy. I mean, Jordan Lewis and, and Cheeto Luge pretty much missed all of training camp with hamstring injuries, and, and it kept them out of games uh, during the regular season. So uh, they don't really have much of an insurance policy, but, uh, but I mean, they're high on the cornerbacks. Uh, when you talk secondary, I think the Cowboys need to move more toward the safeties. Uh, you know, Jeff Heath was, I think, third in the team in tackles. Byron Jones is, you know, uh, up there as well. But that, that's a position that they really need to address and, and upgrade uh, because if you just look at the Tampa 2 defense that Rod Marinelli likes to run, I mean, this is not, you know, just look at the Buccaneers Super Bowl team, Warren Sapp, you know, as the D-line, three technique down low, Derek Brooks, a linebacker, and then, of course, John Lynch uh, as safety. So they need to find a John Lynch type of guy who, who can really make that sort of impact and be the physical, in-the-box safety like Lynch. All right, Drew, this was, a, this was a fantastic. One final question here. Jason Garrett, he's been head coach longer than anyone else in Cowboys history except for Tom Landry. After three straight 500 seasons to open his career, he had winning campaigns, or he's had winning campaigns in three or four seasons. Um, but, you know, there's, there's always this question about Garrett and how secure is his job. Uh, how secure do you think his, his job is? Uh, I, I think it's playoffs or bust kind of for Jason Garrett. I mean, but and whether that's fair or not, I mean, this is an organization that hasn't made it past the divisional round of the playoffs in 23 years, so... Uh, there, there's been a lot that hasn't gone right. They're by no means the model organization these days in, in the NFL, at least for on-field product. But, I mean, Jason Garrett's got to win. He's got to get them into the playoffs. Uh, they haven't done much 
you know, in free agency and this offseason to really improve when you look at what the Rams or the Vikings or the Eagles or the Saints have done. So, uh, you, you know, it, it, they face an uphill battle, but, you know, I think Jerry Jones still feels they should be a playoff team. And, and if the Cowboys miss another uh, playoff run, especially with, with Dak Prescott under his rookie contract, I think uh, the Cowboys could very well move in another direction. So, you know, even though Jerry Jones won't say it, you know, I think the writing's kind of there that if they don't make the playoffs, uh, more likely than not, Jason Garrett's probably on his way out. All right, Drew, uh, this was wonderful. You take care. And we hope to uh, have the opportunity to talk with you again as we get closer to the end of the season. All right, thanks for having me on, Matt. We just finished speaking with Drew Davis, a Cowboys beat writer for the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. We covered a lot. Here are some of my general thoughts on our conversation. Um, We started by talking about the future of Dez Bryant in Dallas. Dez has been a fixture uh, on the team since 2010 when he was drafted. He didn't do much as a rookie, but in the four years after that, he was amazingly productive in his second season, he had a 900-yard, nine-touchdown campaign. After that, he had three straight seasons of at least 1,200 yards receiving and 12 touchdowns. In general, over that time, on average, and he he played in 15 games his second season and then 16, 16, and 16 games in the seasons following. In those four years, he averaged 134 targets uh, and kind of you know rounding here, 134 targets. 84 receptions, 1,216 yards receiving, and 12 touchdowns. Um, he even had a you know uh, a, a punt return touchdown as a rookie, right? Like the guy in his first five seasons in the league was fantastically productive. After that, after the 2014 season, he's really trailed off. 2015, 2016, 2017. Uh, there's been a lot of disappointment there. Uh, you know, within 2015, you can build in uh, the injury that he suffered and then also the injury to Tony Romo. In 2016, uh, he started the season slowly with Dak Prescott as quarterback. Uh, in the second half of the season, I mean, he was also injured for a part of it. He missed three games, wasn't quite himself when he returned from injury. He started to get healthy in the second half of the year. Uh, and as Dak Prescott got better, they seem to connect a little bit, and so Des closed the season on a pretty decent note. Uh, but then for all of 2017, uh, he played in 16 games. He was healthy. It was a really subpar year. Uh, 69 receptions, 838 yards, six touchdowns receiving. Um, so he led the league in receiving touchdowns in 2014. 16 receiving touchdowns. Um but if we, we really look at what's happened since then, we're left with a guy who turns 30 this season and we're sort of unsure of what to do. I think a big question of Des Bryant is, was he a Romo-reliant receiver? Uh, Tony Romo missed all of, uh, not, actually not all, but most of 2015 and you know all but one drive of 2016. Uh he appeared in just one game that year. Uh, so Dez has been in just 19 games with Romo over the past four years. 
um, if we look at the road of his splits app, you can see that in those games, he's had 17.7 points per game in, uh, in PPR scoring with eight targets per game. With Dak, he's had 12.6 PPR points per game. So pretty significant, uh, about a five-point drop-off, 5.1-point decline. The thing is, he's had 7.8 targets per game with Dak. So similar usage on a, on a raw basis. And um, if you go to airyards.com, a site uh, whose proprietor is Josh Hermsmeyer of Rotoviz, you can look and see that um, there's, there's a clear decline in production with Dak Prescott. Uh, in terms of what Des Bryant does on a game-to-game basis. But in terms of the opportunity that he gets, it's actually pretty similar. Um, so you, you look at 2014, for instance. He had an 11.9 A dot with remote quarterback, 136 targets, 1,600 air yards. Um, you can look at what happened in 2017 with Des. And uh, the numbers are actually pretty similar. 132 targets versus 136 with Romo, right? So very similar. 1,500 air yards in comparison to 1,600. Pretty similar. 11.4 A dot versus 11.9. That's not a huge disparity. Um, Josh has this metric uh, called racer, or at least that's what I'm calling it, A. R-A, sorry, R-A-C-R, receiver error conversion ratio. Basically, uh, it looks at the yards that a guy gets for every air yard uh, with which he is targeted. Um, we, we see here that Dez had 0.56 racer in 2017 versus 0.81 with Romo. So he wasn't good at turning air yards into receiving yards. Um but he was getting he was getting his air yards, right? In 2017, he had 0.39 of the Cowboys' air yards, exactly the same, 0.39, exactly the same that he had in 2014 with Romo. So he's getting he's been getting his opportunities. He's been getting similar usage. He's just not as good at this point at turning opportunities into production. And the question is, is that because he's getting older? That's I would say undoubtedly a part of it. Uh, he's had some injuries in there, so that's probably a part of it, right? Um, but it's also part of it that uh, he has a different guy throwing him the ball. You know, to, to get some sense of of what is happening with Dez, maybe we could look at some other receivers. Terrence Williams, for instance. In 2017... He had a 0.86 racer uh, in 2014, which was probably the best year of his career. 621 yards, eight touchdowns. He had a 0.62 racer, right? Uh, So he was productive in that season, but in terms of turning his air yards into receiving yards, Terrence Williams in 2017 was actually better. He was better with Dak than with a peak and efficient Romo. We look at Jason Witten, right? Tony Romo's BFF forever. In 2014, he had a .85 racer. In 2017, with a kind of quote-unquote declining DAC, he had a .94 racer. 
like that doesn't that doesn't necessarily mean anything for Dez. But what it shows is that Dak wasn't a net negative for all of the receivers on the team. So it's really possible that Dez, just in terms of his productive capabilities, uh, the decline that we have seen over the last three years, uh, some of that might have to do with uh, the absence of Romo and with the injuries he's suffered Uh, And maybe he just doesn't have the same connection with Dak that he had with Romo. Uh, But some of it just might be due to the fact that he's aging. And that uh, as he's aged, his game hasn't really translated. So, I mean, Dez, he might be done. I mean, like he might be done as like a a functional producer and he might be done in Dallas. Um, You know, maybe, maybe the Cowboys haven't used him well with Dak. Uh, maybe with a full season of Zeke in 2018, you know, we'll see Dez be more productive with less attention uh, from the defense paid to him. I mean, he's due $12.5 million for 2018 and also for 2019. There's no way he's getting that money. So the question really is, what are the Cowboys going to do with him? I mean, if there's no Dez there, what did the Cowboys do? Did they roll out Alan Hearns? as like the the de facto number one receiver with uh, Terrence Williams and Cole Beasley. And they sprinkle in some Deontay Thompson and uh, hope that he can, you know, he he can sort of be like the, uh, the poor man's Bryce Butler. That sounds horrible. So if there's no Dez there, what do the Cowboys do? And even if there is Dez there, what do the Cowboys do? Like, what do they do if Dez is just sort of what he's been for the last three years, which is at times dominant, um, but increasingly ineffective, right? If Dez Bryant in 2018 is what he has been for the last three years, that is really bad for 2019. So what do the Cowboys do? Uh, you know, as as Drew mentioned, the team might look to uh, to get a wide receiver at some point. You know, maybe round one. You know, maybe they could trade back a little bit, and they might uh, be able to hit kind of the the value spot a little bit more of where they could get a wide receiver in the first round. Uh, I don't know if Calvin Ridley is going to be there for the Cowboys. I my my worst fear is that the Cowboys do draft Calvin Ridley. Uh, but maybe Cortland Sutton, maybe DJ Moore. Uh, in my most recent mock draft at Fantasy Labs, I toyed with the idea of giving them a receiver in the first round. Uh, I didn't because I figured that they needed defensive help more, uh, and they definitely do. But if they want to be a quote-unquote Dak-friendly team, what's friendlier than getting them a wide receiver in the first round? Um, you know, Ridley, I, I just, I don't see it. Um... I know he's, you know, quote unquote, a smooth route runner. Um, I I think the actually the athletic concerns with him are a little overblown. I think he probably is good enough as an athlete to be a very functional NFL wide receiver. But I think his upside is kind of a wide receiver too. And um, I don't really see the point of drafting that in the first round. He has the, you know, he's 
he's old. We know this, but just in terms of his productivity, he has the he has the production profile of someone who kind of maxes out as a wide receiver too. DJ Moore though is interesting. He could be great. He's got the body of Hakeem Nix with the speed of, or not just the speed, the athleticism of Percy Harvin. Like uh, he's really intriguing. Still pretty young, very productive at Maryland. There's a lot to like about him. Cortland Sutton. I think he's the guy I prefer in my um, in my rankings, my wide receiver rankings at Fantasy Labs. I have Sutton number one. I, he is Des esque actually. Like and um, you know went to Southern Methodist there in Dallas, a hometown guy. Like I, I don't know. I think if he's there, I could see the Cowboys drafting him. I don't know if I would love it, but I maybe wouldn't hate it either. Um, you know, he is Des-esque in his ability to to go out, to go up and get the ball. Like, he uses his body well. You know, former basketball player, he uses his body, uh, you know, to go up and quote-unquote get the rebounds, right? Like, he, he high points the football and all the stuff that, like, film watchers talk about. Um, but more than that, He's got great athleticism for his size, right? He's 6'3", 6'4", was 218 pounds at the combine. There's a lot to like about him. Very athletic for his size. Good agility for his size. Good enough speed, right? He has uh, he has speed, you know, the same way that Des Bryant had speed, you know? Like, Des wasn't a great straight-line guy, but he was fast enough. Sutton has that, and he has better agility than Dez had. There's a lot to like about Sutton, right? The Cowboys could do a lot worse than getting DJ Moore. And just in terms of like their their quarterback situation of helping out their quarterback, they could do a lot worse than getting DJ Moore or Cortland Sutton in the first round. Um, they could also probably do a lot worse uh, than waiting and hoping that one of those guys makes it to them in round two, <laughs> but. You know, who knows? Uh, one thing that I thought was interesting uh, that Drew mentioned was um, that the Cowboys really might be looking for Jason Witten's replacement. Uh, and he mentioned Dallas Goddard specifically um, as, as a possibility that, you know, pick 19 would probably be too high for him. Uh, Goddard didn't run at his pro day, but he did jump. He did the agility drills and he was excellent in those. Uh, he's a decent athlete, actually probably better than a decent athlete. And he has good size for the position, right? He's not like, uh, you know, a move tight end who's 230 pounds. This is the guy who's 255, 260 pounds, right? So he's a legit sized tight end. Um, you know, but Drew thought it might be unreasonable for the team to look for a tight end um, in round one. And, you know, that's fine. Uh I thought they might just kind of kick the can down the road in terms of finding the replacement for Witten. But, uh, hey, you know, it is an interesting group of tight ends. Uh, And if they're looking for a tight end on day two, that's intriguing, right? Goddard might be there on day two. Mike Kosicki from Penn State, he might be there on day two. The same with Mark Andrews from Oklahoma. One of those guys is going to be available in round two, maybe even round three. And you look at the best tight ends in the league right now. You can see clearly that you do not need to spend a day one pick to get a premium tight end, right? Gronkowski, round two. 
Zach Ertz, round two. Jimmy Graham, round three. Travis Kelsey, round three. Jordan Reed, round three. You know, Aaron Hernandez, round four. Round one tight ends are great, but many of the best tight ends available uh, in the league today you can find outside of the first round. Right, so if the Cowboys want to be Dak friendly, they could look for a tight end on day two, and that could legitimately be a guy, not in 2018, you know, but maybe in 2019, 2020, that could be a guy who does make a significant difference, not just for Dak, but for the team, right? So that is interesting. Uh, You know, they've shown throughout the years that, if they have a good tight end, they know what to do with him, right? It's it's not just like a Dak-friendly thing. It's There's a tight end-friendly thing in place with the Cowboys. So if they get a um, you know an heir apparent to Jason Witten, that will be interesting. And it will probably be a guy who's on a, you know, who's taken with a day two pick. Um, if, it, if it's a day three pick, I, I don't even care. You know, day three tight ends, so few of them actually turn out. If they draft a tight end on day three, I'm basically ignoring it. But day two, that is really interesting. Um, but in terms of day one, it's probably a defensive pick. The team really needs help on defense. Uh, the good news is there will be a defensive player available at 19 who really could help out the Cowboys. Whether that's a defensive tackle, Maurice Hurst, or more of a, a nose tackle type of player in Vita Vea or Deron Payne. One of those guys, for sure, is going to be available at pick 19. right? The same with linebacker. Roquan Smith will probably be gone. He looks like a, a pretty locked-in top 10 pick. But Tremaine Edmonds, Rashawn Evans, one of those guys will likely be available at 19. I think Tremaine Edmonds will be gone, but Rashawn Evans has a pretty good chance of being available. But out of that group of six defensive players, for sure one of them will be available. And I bet two or three, maybe even four of them will be available at pick 19. Right? And if that happens, maybe they could trade back a little bit. They could pick up an extra day two pick or they could get a future pick and they could still get one of their defensive players. In the most recent mock draft I have at Fantasy Labs, I've given them at that pick Rashawn Evans. Uh... Tremaine Edmonds is already gone. Roquan Smith, definitely gone. Um, you know, but at that point, they also have the capability of taking a defensive tackle of their choice. Defensive tackles, in general, tend not to be drafted within the first 10, the first 15, even the first 20 picks. Right? So, if there is a defensive tackle that they really like, they have a very good shot of getting that guy at number 19. Um, but I think one of the the three big linebackers in terms of uh, Roquan Smith, Tremaine Edmonds, Rashawn Evans, some people might put Leighton Vander Esch in, in that group. That would be fine. But I think there will be a linebacker there at 19 that the, uh, that the Cowboys could get if they want him. Um, you know, as mentioned... As mentioned earlier on the show, linebacking, uh, the linebacking unit is bad. It's probably worse than the, than the defensive line. Um, probably the biggest need on the team. 
So if they can get a good player there in the first round who really addresses a position of need, that would be ideal. Uh, Closing out by talking about one of my favorite people on earth, Jason Garrett. Oh, man. Um, You know, I don't think he's as bad now as he was earlier in his career. Um, You know, I think teams far too often give up on coaches before they should. And so I think at a minimum, uh, you know, we can look at the situation in Dallas and say that Jerry Jones uh, has practiced some restraint and did not give up on Jason Garrett too soon. Um, But, you know, you look at this and um, his coaching inexperience cost the team a trip to the playoffs in the first three years of his career. Right, that's three years of Tony Romo's prime devoted to a guy who had no prior head coaching experience. Uh, from a ownership and general manager perspective, that was a bad decision to uh, basically to waste three years of Romo's prime while you let a rookie head coach figure out what he's doing. You know, but since then, the Cowboys have enjoyed some success. And I mean, not just some, like, you know, a decent amount of success over the past four years, right? 12 and four in 2014. That was a great year for the team. Great year for Romo, peak Romo season, right? Great year for DeMarco Murray, for the running game, for that offensive line. Uh, You know, just a great year for the team to kind of establish an identity of what it was, like what it wanted to be. Of course, 2015 was the worst, you know, without Romo, the team went four and 12, but, you know, they used their number four pick the following year. They got Zeke. They lucked into Dak, you know, had a great 2016 campaign. They went 13-3, and three, number one seed in the NFC. But, you know, didn't get the playoff win, but still a good year. Then last year, they struggled, you know, six games without Zeke. They were without Sean Lee for stretches, without Tyron Smith for some games. But they were still 9-7. and seven. I mean, you know... Dallas fans like to pretend as if everything is horrible, um, but it's not as if like they're the Browns or something, right? They're not, they're not the Bills, right? In 2003, the team hired Bill Parcells. In the 15 years since then, the Cowboys have had only three losing seasons, right? Only three. That is amazing. I mean, it's it's especially amazing considering the drama in Dallas and that the Cowboys have won only two playoff games in that span and they haven't played in the conference championship game during that time, right? Given all that, you would assume that the number of losing seasons they've had would be much higher. Um, I mean, just in any 15-year span, kind of regardless, in this league, given the parity that exists, you would expect a even some good teams to have to have had more than three losing seasons, right? Uh, look at Sean Payton with the New Orleans Saints. He's been there since two thousand and six. They won a Super Bowl. They have a locked in first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback, and they've had five losing seasons since two thousand and six, right? They won a Super Bowl. And they've still had five losing seasons since 2006. Aaron Rodgers entered the league in 2005. 
the Packers have had one of the best quarterbacks in the league since that time, starting with Favre and then Rodgers. They've won a Super Bowl in that time frame, and they've still had three losing seasons since then, the same as the Cowboys. Right, So for a team that has done nothing in the postseason and always seems on the cusp of total collapse, the Cowboys have been surprisingly not horrible in the regular season on a year-in and year-out basis. Right, And, and here's, here's the thing. I don't know what that means. Right, I think it means that maybe the Cowboys are better than people think. Maybe over the last 15 years, they were closer to, you know, playoff success, closer to winning a championship than people think. You know, maybe they they were the type of team that could have won a championship if some things had just gone differently. Um, you know, but it also probably means that Garrett has underperformed when it's mattered most and that in high leverage situations he's fallen short. So, you know, Drew thinks that this is a um a playoffs or bust season for Garrett, you know. I don't know. Um, it, it seems like if Garrett were to lose his job over not making the playoffs, that potentially would have already happened. But, I, you know, I don't know. We'll we'll see. If in a year from now, Jeff Fisher is the head coach of the Cowboys, we'll, we'll know that the season didn't go well. Anyway, that's going to do it for this Cowboys Focus special edition of Road of His Radio. Be sure to check out the episodes for all the other teams on Rotoviz and the podcast feed. I'm Matt Friedman, Matt at the Oracle. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to this special edition of Rotoviz Radio, the flagship Rotoviz podcast. Special thanks to Hassan Rahim, the producer for this episode, and to Colm Kelly, the assistant executive producer for the podcast channel. Please review the show on iTunes under the Road of His Radio feed. Contact us via email, roadofhisradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think. And follow us on Twitter at Road of His Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Road of His at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage, roadofhis.com slash podcast. Right now at T-Mobile, get an awesome iPhone XR on us when you bring your family over and trade in your old device. Because whether you have mom, dad, or a friend on your mind, it's a gift so bold and brilliant, you'll want to keep it for yourself. Most importantly, it's on us in six vibrant colors. Plus, with unlimited everything from T-Mobile, the awesome iPhone XR will have everyone snapping, streaming, and sharing to their heart's content all year long. But don't wait. It's only for a limited time. So visit a store or call 1-800-T-MOBILE and get iPhone XR on us congested customers using more than 50 gigs per month may notice reduced speeds due to prioritization video at 480p via 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers plus tax qualifying trade-in port in service and finance agreement required contact us before canceling our credit stop and remaining balance due 64 gigs zero down plus 3125 per month for 24 months pre-credit price 749.99 zero percent apr one offer per account they call you the grill master you've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop and as you lift that first forkful to your mouth you savor the moment. To get amazing offers during the Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, like the 2019 C-Class Sedan and GLC SUV, the perfect recipes of driving performance. Plus, you can enjoy six months of Sirius XM All Access included. The Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, now serving limited-time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. 
relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.